Welcome to the Bad Girls on Business, the podcast that makes business more fun so you want to do more of it. Here are your hostesses with the mostesses, Jenny Bellinger, Virginia Mooskies, and Michelle Nedelec. Welcome to another episode of the Bad Girls on Business. This is badassery today. So welcome to the only podcast that is safe, sane, and consensual. We'll be nice, naughty, and kinky as our guests like. And since it's just us, I guess we know where this conversation is going to go. But there is a safe word. It's meatloaf. So if it gets out of hand, we all know how to make the festivities stop. And we do anything for business, but we won't do that. So I'm Virginia Muskies, the referral diva. Thanks for joining us today. And I'm here with Jenny and Michelle. Jenny and Michelle, why don't you go? Yes, I'm Jenny Bellinger, your direct sales dom, helping you whip your business into shape. Michelle? And I am Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business, helping you get it up and keep it up. And of course, we're talking about revenue and profit. So So, I find it very interesting. I find it very interesting that we're like, we should record this episode. And we're like, nah, we don't have a topic. We have nothing. And then we start talking. And then we're like, we should have been recording that the entire time. We should. Well, and you know we're going to hang out for another hour anyways, even if we say we're not going to record. <laughs> so context of this episode, we just had a guest, Linda Sunshine West, who faced 365 fears, a fear a day for an entire year. And so we're now talking about facing our fears. I'm claiming I have none. We'll see how that goes. Bullshit. <laughs> Jenny claims that sorry, hers would take sorry, a week. Check your, check your bias, Virginia. Check your bias. Check your bias. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, Jenny, be nice. I don't need that. I don't need that judgment out of you. Oh, I, no. All right. So Michelle wants to bop a white shark on the nose. Um, I don't understand that. <laughs> no, I want to hypnotize okay. a great white shark. It's totally different. It's very friendly and nice. I'm not bopping him. But I did say, and Jenny mentioned, you know, being I in the cage. And I said, no, you're going to punch him in the nose. No, no, I'm just touching, oh. just touch. And you hypnotize oh. them. You, you kind of pet them. My ex, weirdly enough, can hypnotize lobsters. <laughs> Rub them on the nose and he hip- they fall asleep. It's really weird. It's hilarious. But anyways, I was saying that you would actually be out there in the water with the great white shark in the ocean, swimming around. So I would look like a nice porky little uh, seal. <laughs> which is their food yeah <laughs> Go on. yeah and i'm just gonna have michelle's your friend not food <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, and yeah. you know so we were inspired because in case people haven't listened to linda's episode she decided at age 51 that she was going to face 365 fears she was going to face one fear every single day for a whole year and i'm sitting there going i don't even like I know that I have fears. Yes. I don't know that I have 365 of them. Like, so I feel like if I were going to do this, I do like a fear a week because some of mine, I can't, one of my fears, jumping out of an airplane. I cannot go right now and go jump out of an airplane. Why not? Right now. <laughs> we What's stopping you? you? I know, but it's Man, not going to, it's not going to happen like today because mm. I just came up with it at right. four o'clock in the afternoon, you know? So but it's one of those things where some of them are going to involve some additional planning and to make it happen. Cause you know, again, fear of snakes, you know, how do you guarantee that you're going to be around a snake? You know, because you go to Manitoba right about now, this time of year, and there is a big mating convention that happens on this hill where all of the snakes come to this one hill 
make out um, and then leave and they're gone in a couple of weeks i think so yeah you just got to go and find yourself like the, a bunch of like the monarch snakes. butterfly reunion in mexico but for snakes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, there I, is a reptile store in o'fallon you could just get in your car and drive there and go hold a snake it's true i'll go with you yeah i'll go with you <laughs> No, I dated I dated Brad McFall and when we were in high school and he was one of the world's top herpetologists before he lost his mind because you know you have to be crazy to love snakes that much. But yes, and I learned I got over all my fear of snakes. See, I have no problem with tame domesticated snakes that have been hanging out in tanks. My issue is the <laughs> wild ones that you have no control over because they don't know if you're food or bringing them food or what that's you know what I mean because I've held snakes it, I will not say said store because we haven't if they want to sponsor us sure i'll say it um, <laughs> <laughs> no free advertising out of jenny bellinger that no 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 well so because i actually happen my sister is good friends with the owner so i actually know the people who own the store right and i've been there and i've held their albino giant boa constrictor i know mm-hmm. her name it's aphrodite like i've held her she's huge mm-hmm. I've touched her. I've petted her, but she's domesticated, even though she could kill me in theory, because she's like eight feet long and eight inches around and massive. But she's not going to because she got fed a rabbit earlier in the day. She's done. She's full. Right. So the moral of the story is carry a rabbit around with you everywhere. you go. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So I what I find interesting, and I think this is kind of probably it's in the NLP, right? It's in the word. I don't like fear isn't so much for me. Like I have anxiety or I don't, Oh, I know it. If you said to me every single day for 365 days, you have to do something you have resistance against. I probably could do 10 of those a day, right? Because my response to fear is resistance and I experience resistance, but I don't, what I call fear is like what Jenny just said, like jumping out of an airplane or Have you seen those videos of people like jumping off a cliff and like swinging across a canyon and then swinging back? Like, I'm like, oh, hell no. Like terrified of that. Wouldn't do it because not because I'm afraid, not really afraid. That's just stupid. Like, I'm not. (laughs) That's how I feel about jumping out of an airplane. There's not diapers big enough for that for me to do that. I'm sorry. I know there's adult diapers. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Y'all just don't know how big I am. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I like bungee jumping, and it's not, and I could say it's just not for me, but there's like, I just think it's stupid to risk your life. So I do have a fear of like death by bungee jumping and <laughs> by, death, bumping. by bumping, by bumping yeah. that too. Use a condom folks. Um, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> you know, death by jumping out of a plane, death by. <laughs> sure death by anything will cause some fear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so see, so I, how do I overcome that? I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So let's take this into the business realm then, because there are certain things that we probably experience fear, resistance, whatever you want to call it in the business realm. So what are the things that let's open the kimono, y'all? Disappointing Um, Michelle Nadelec. That one, that scares the hell out of me. (laughs) Point at me? Disappointing. Oh, disappoint me. You should be. Pointing. You should be afraid of that. (laughs) Disappointing Michelle Nadelec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) No, you don't want to you don't want to disappoint your mistress. No, that's never a good thing because, <laughs> you know. Well, I know I used to be terrified of making phone calls, like just period, pick up a phone and talk to somebody. 
not my friends, obviously, but in business, like just picking up a phone. And so I decided to go into telemarketing. <laughs> like, well, there's that- one way to get over. <laughs> there so, yeah. you go. There yeah, you go. Got, got on top of the sales leaderboard and went, okay, I'm done. That was fun. <laughs> I think the probably for me, the biggest fear that I had in business, other than the fear of failure, right? Like other than, right. than right. that. Yeah, we all have um, that. Let's get that out of the way. Let's get that out of the way. Was the my fear of technology, like just really not understanding it. And it was so big and vast and I'd had so little experience with it that it all just felt so huge. And it held me back for a really long time because I was in a space where I was too afraid to even try to learn it. And I didn't have money to, to outsource it. And then I found out, thank you, Michelle Nedelec, that it doesn't do you any good to just outsource it if you don't understand it because you can't have a conversation with people about what you need or like, so I really had this really huge avoidance of technology. And I experienced this same feeling a couple of weeks ago when I went glass blowing with Nicole, right? So I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the glass blowing studio and Jeremy, our very handsome glass blowing expert teaching us how to do this stuff. I'm, he's showing me, he's like, well, first we're going to do this and then we're going to go here and then we're going to do that. And then you're going to spin the thing and then we're going to blow on the thing and then blah, blah, blah. And I looked at Nicole and I was like, do we have to remember this? Like, I was like a deer. In the head. Like, do we have to remember everything he just said? And he's like, no, I'm just giving you like an orientation. And I was like, okay, because you lost me at that thing over there. Like I, I totally am confused. And I sort of experienced that confusion and that fear of failure. And my, I think the really biggest one for me is like, I just fear sucking at something. Ooh. Like I just fear sucking at it and not being good at it, which is hilarious because what's the, one of the one things I teach is like, you are going to suck at this and you're going to just do it. And then you just test it and then you just grow and then whatever. And then I'm in the glass blowing studio going, Oh my God, what if I suck at this? You know? So I'm like, what if I drop the blob of glass on the floor? He goes, then there'll be a blob of glass on the floor and we'll go put more on the tube. I was like, okay, check that fear out the door. Right. What happens if like I'm going, and he's like, he looks at Nicole and he's like, your mom's really afraid of this. And I was like, no, I just want to make sure he's like, you're not getting like, I'm going to make it and you're going to help. Is that better? And I was like, oh, much better. That is so great. You make it. I'll help. Right. Yes. (laughs) I'm so afraid of failing. This is how stupid this is. So I decide because I was afraid of drowning that I would take up scuba diving because that's what I do. So um, we went scuba diving (laughs) and took our lessons and stuff. And I'm losing my shit. And my son's like, what is your problem? I'm like, I am so fucking incompetent that I can't even breathe underwater. And he looks like, you're an idiot. Nobody can breathe underwater. Nobody can breathe underwater. <laughs> That's kind of the whole definition of drowning. No. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe I'm beating myself up because I can't breathe underwater. <laughs> Oh my god, that was fun! It was the best. You mean you couldn't breathe through the regulator, or no? Because I wasn't a dolphin. (laughs) It's like, like it was seriously like the whole idea or notion at that time of being incompetent was so terrifying to me to be that bad at something. (laughs) Oh oh yeah, like whoever did a head trip on me when I was little did it really well. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my God. So yes, that's my pursuit of, I chase my fears because I realize when I'm doing them, how stupid they are and I got to get that shit out of my head. Oh, I, I like that. So I guess it's my turn. What's coming up for me is the, you know, because I've been saying for since December of 2019, because it was the first time it came up for me, which is you're going to write a book. So I've been saying for now, three years, you're going to write a book. I haven't written a book. I've written a chapter in a book. I've done a collaboration. Yes, I'm an international bestselling author. So I took my baby step in, right? Like, okay, let's write that chapter. Hey, I didn't die, right? And the chapter was actually pretty good. And the book went international bestselling. So hallelujah. So there was that. But still, I have resistance around you know, resistance, because I'm trying not to own fear on it, of writing the book. And I think where it comes down to is, interestingly enough, judgment, right? She, you know, because for me, the thing I dislike the most in the world, because high I, shocking, I don't like being disliked or judged. Like, that's my kryptonite is being disliked or judged. And so if I'm putting out this book, there's going to be people who might dislike or judge me based on it. So it's like, oh, that's scary. And it's like, and you can't win, right? Because it's like, some people won't like the book. Some people won't like you. Like, who does she think she is publishing a book, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of that stuff that whirls around if I produce it and, you know, and it sucks. And here's the most interesting thing. There was a study done. It was an art teacher, a ceramics teacher. And you could do one of two things. You could choose your grade. One was you had to produce a perfect bowl. You had to throw in a ceramics class, throw a bowl. It had to be a perfect bowl. And then the other one was you got graded based on the number of bowls that you created. So like you could get, it would be like a, if you did 50 bowls, you got a D. If you did a hundred bowls, you got a C. If you did 150 bowls, you got a B. If you did 200 bowls, you got an A. And it didn't matter if they were great bowls or crappy bowls, like the quality of the bowl would not be the measuring criterion. It would be the volume, right? And lo and behold, they put out like all of the, all of the people that tried to make the perfect bowl struggle. Like they just struggled and struggled. They had a hard time throwing the bowl. They just, you know, it never occurred to them. Well, I don't have to make the perfect bowl on the first try. They built like, they just kept like, hammering on one bowl for an entire semester, right? Like just on it. And the bowls, the people that got A's, actually by the time they were on like 177, 178, their pottery was brilliant and it was beautiful and it was approaching perfection. And what's interesting is I think, you know, that's why Conway, Scott Conway has written 56 books because he doesn't care if they're good. It's a numbers game for him. He's like, good book, shitty book. I don't care. It's like, it's my book. I write it for me. I put it out there, read it, don't read it, whatever. But his books are getting better, right? And I think it's the same thing with marketing. We all want to go out there and throw our marketing. We want our marketing message to go out there. And on the first try, we want to nail it and we want it to make us a million dollars and we want it to convert. And really what you need to do is 200 bowls, right? Like you need to just like put it out there, let it be judged. Yeah. Let it be judged. And here's the biggest part of it. You are not the judge of your bowls, right? Which are the good bowls or the bad bowls? Because if you judge the bowls, you'll judge. It's always going to be shit. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you'll either think they're all shitty or you don't really have a good criterion. We don't have the actual accurate criterion to know what our prospects or our future clients actually want to hear from us. 
We don't Mm -hmm. unless we ask them and give them what they want. Yep. Right. So I think that metaphor is pretty powerful. Absolutely. I was taking an art class and the teacher said, most people will take an art class in order to get rid of their own creativity. And I'm like, that is intense. So he goes, and it's insane because you're never going to get rid of you. You are always going to be the one creating these things. So it's always going to have your creativity on it. Somebody who is objective to it is going to look at it and go, oh my God, I love that. That's awesome. Even though the artists themselves like, oh my God, I hated that one. That one was terrible. But it's not about, because we're still trying to get rid of our creativity in that process and we're always going to be in there. And it's crazy to me that it's just kind of part of human nature that we're never going to make that perfect bowl because we're always the one judging our own bowl, even if the bowl is gorgeous and awesome and amazing and beautiful to somebody else. Oh, Do you yeah. ever wonder what like Chihuly thinks? Like I can't, the artist that does the Chihuly glass and he makes oh, these beautiful, gorgeous. like these beautiful, gorgeous. Do you ever wonder if he just stands there and thinks like, God, that is the shittiest exhibition I have ever hung in my life. Like that is, yes. you know, like, my how guess- many hammers has he taken to his shit? You're like, oh, you know, true, right? true, true, true. Yeah. And I just got to say, for those of you who were thinking the same thing that I was thinking a few minutes ago when Virginia said something about doing 200 bowls, if you're in Illinois or other states where that's allowed, <laughs> we're not talking, weed. we're not talking about those bowls. We're t- <laughs> you'll get really good at it. I promise you'll get really good at, at and, yeah. that kind of pottery. <laughs> that kind of pottery. Yes. Oh, my God, Jennifer. It's so bad. The dad jokes. I do love your attire today. Jenny's wearing a shirt that says, I solemnly swear a lot. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite coffee mug, it says um, something like, I do do not. Oh, I do not swear like a sailor. I enunciate that shit like a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. Exactly. No, it so. I think that the jumping back into the fear conversation, it really comes down to recognizing we all have our different fears. We all have our different things that are we're going to allow to hold us back or not. Right. So, you know, luckily I got past some of the judgment stuff by putting out my podcast, which did involve some yeah. judgment and dealing with that. Right. Because having a podcast, a business podcast, that has got a BDSM theme. There have been some people. And some big names who I really look up to who like turn me down. And I was like, (laughs) and it's like, hey, dumbass, you knew there were going to be people who were going to turn you down. You knew this. Well, and I think the fear of rejection is it holds a lot of people back. And the really weird thing is, you know, unless you just want to get up every day, get in your four wheeled cave, drive to your work cave, work all day in your cubby and then get in your car and then drive home, you're going to have that. And there's no, like Michelle was saying about creativity. I don't think there's any way to get around rejection because we reject ourselves first. Ooh. Oh, fuck. That's deep. (laughs) If we didn't reject ourselves first, we wouldn't know fear of it. Right. You didn't know you were in therapy today, did you? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if y'all are hearing this, it's because you needed to hear it too. Like, let's not just make this. It's not just about me. It's about the person who needed to hear this today too. I'm saying. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't experience from another human being what you don't already do to yourself. If you didn't have a fear of rejection deep inside you, 
and then someone rejected you, you wouldn't even know what to call that. That would just be weird. Right. And they just walked away. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Like you wouldn't know yeah. what it was. So that experience is an experience. Like you had an experience, you decided it was rejection and that experience was painful for you in some way. You called it rejection and now you fear the pain of that experience. And so we really write those scripts for ourselves pretty young. Yeah, we do. So, what a, I'm going to say it's a funny story about that. <laughs> you can judge okay. it for yourself. <laughs> Let's lighten the mood. Yeah. So, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. But so when I was in grade two, we had this group of friends and I grew up in the country. So you knew the people that lived around you. And that's those are the only people you knew because you didn't see anybody else. So it's totally different than growing up in the city. So I had like four friends in elementary school. And one day they decided to jump on me and beat me up. So they're on top of me, beat me up, pulled my hair out, all this kind of fun stuff. And for years, I, well, and then the next year, the teacher separated us. So we were all in different classes (laughs) after that. About six months ago or so, I phoned my friend and go, hey, do you remember that fight in grade two? What was it all about? And she goes, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I'm like, dude, we got separated in separate classes because of this fight. You don't remember that? And she's like, no, but I really hope that, you know, you're not still holding on to this stuff and resenting me for it. Because I'm going to feel really bad that you've resented me for like 50 years over something I don't even remember. And I'm going, she goes, and then whatever conversation brought this up, I wish I was flexible to see what had happened and what was going on with it. And I had to laugh because it, it was... I wouldn't say it was traumatic. It was, it was traumatic, right. but I couldn't Normal. remember why the fight had started. And I was like, oh, I'm sure I was just being a bitch or something. And she couldn't remember what the reason was that that had started. But I am totally convinced that for years, I held that, whatever that was, that fear of rejection, or my friends are going to turn on me, attack, <laughs> which, you know, is justifiable fear when it actually happens. But, but the silliness of it, it was, there was no impact to anybody else. Like And, and yeah. to your point, I feel the rejection of it, but nobody else had nobody else that same it. feeling of we were rejecting you. I had a really similar experience when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I went, I was like, there were the popular girls and I got invited to this party. And here's the story that I tell myself about it. Now, I go to the party and I'm so excited that I'm at the popular girls party at this party. And then that night we're playing truth or dare. So they asked me a question and it was probably about like, what boy do you like or whatever? And I feared that that would end up in the wrong, you know, whispered into the ears or whatever. So I chose the dare and the dare was to let them smear me with green jello and sleep in the closet. So I like, didn't say like, no, because you have to do the truth or the dare. Well, no, you don't have to do anything. Right. But I had, I was like, well, I have to do the dare. So, you know, so that's what I did. And So for my whole life, I've hated these girls because they smeared me with green jello and locked me in a closet. And then like, you know, Facebook is so great. So one day, like girl number one who did was not a perpetrator shows up and she's like, oh my gosh, how are you? You know, do you still live in Jersey? What are you doing? Whatever. And she had been my bestie when I was like eight years old. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's so great. Whatever. So then she posts a picture. This is like the be all end all. She posts a picture of us all from like seventh grade, right? And I comment on the picture to my friend who we'll call her L. 
oh, L, like you always were the pretty one. And then bitch who locked me in the closet goes, oh, thank you. As if I was like writing that about her. And I was like, that is so weird. So anyway, so she private messages me like, oh, hey, how are you? And I was like, bitch, do not come at me. Like, are you kidding? I'm like, are you kidding me with this? And she's like, hi to you too. And I was like, you know, you made my life miserable. Like I go on it, right? Like you made my life miserable and whatever. And she's like, what did I do? Like, what did I do to you? Like, I'm so like, wow, you got a lot of anger. What did I do to you? (laughs) So I tell her the thing. She's like, swear on all that is holy. I do not remember doing that. And if I did that, I was a bitch and I'm really, really sorry. And you probably should like, let it go. It was a long time and nobody remembered it. Right. But the fear that was built out of that was that I didn't deserve good friends. I only deserved friends who would mistreat me until Mm. I met Jenny Bellinger. I was going to say, and that's why we're your friends now, right? Yes. (laughs) Just shit and abuse. (laughs) No, actually, no, no, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really did. I had a number one fear. So I didn't have a lot of friends. Like I just decided I wouldn't have friends because that's what, you know, friends smear you in jello and lock you in the closet. Like what kind of friends are those? Yeah. And the person that (laughs) did happen as an adult, you'd be like, oh my God, no. That would be because I was doing one of those pottery things. Jello Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Jello shots are not an option anymore. No. Just kidding. No, and I I think what's interesting from that, too, is the person we become because of the story that we tell about that, right? Because what's interesting about yours and my story, Virginia, is the fact that I met you years before, as you put it, I picked you as a friend, right? Right. And the first time I met you, I was like eight months pregnant. You were doing your your spiel from the stage, right? And I was like, that's great information, I can't do anything about it right now because I'm pregnant, but I want that information later. But I was not attracted to hanging out with you at that time. Mm -hmm. The person you were at that time was not the person who I was ready to hang out with. It was only after like years later when you weren't able to do that thing anymore, blah, blah, blah. There's big story behind that that we're just not going to address here because it's way longer. But once we got to the point where it was like, okay, now she's a part of my life again you know, through networking. Okay, she's back in my life. She's back a part of it. She's been presented to me by the universe again. Okay, cool. So we did the business thing and then you got moved to a different region. And then I was like, all right, we can be friends now because now you're not like part of my like upline, downline, business hierarchy. There we go. Business hierarchy is a good way of putting that. I was like, okay, now we can be friends because now it's not like a, you know, you're in charge of me. And so we can't like that whole military, like the officers can't hang yeah, out with was, the enlisted. That was a story that you told yourself because I was never in charge of you. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But that was because, again, coming from my own mindset, military mindset, she's in the hierarchy of my specific hierarchy. Right. Right. So, yeah, no, can't be friends. Well, as soon as you got moved to a different region, I was like, oh, we can be friends now. <laughs> like, literally reached out and said, what are you doing Friday night? I'm bringing a bottle of wine. Where, like, I know where you live. So Friday night or <laughs> Saturday night. stalker? Yeah. Well, no, I... I know where you live. I knew her husband. I had been to parties at their house, blah, blah, blah. But up until that point, the person who she was the first time I was ever in her sphere was still in that was still telling herself that story, right? She was not being the kind of person who could attract a good friend at that point in time. Yeah. 
that's what I'm saying is that because of those stories we tell ourselves, right, we become the person who self-fulfilling prophecy puts that back into place. So it was interesting because the, the, the thing that really made Jenny and me friends, Michelle, was I was friends with this person who had invited me to this party where I didn't know anybody as her plus one and then promptly disappeared and like left me there and like was just super whatever. And then I was like, I'm in the bathroom and I'm hysterical. I'm like, I cannot believe that she did this and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I just stopped and I got really, really calm. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, you are not 10. And this is not a closet. And check it. There's not even green jello in your hair. And you have car keys and you can go home. And so I leave, I'm getting ready to leave. And this individual, after like ignoring me for five hours at this party goes, oh, I thought we were going to hang out. And I was like, whoa, bitch, I'm so out. I'm like, no, I'm really tired. I'm going to go home. So I leave and I go straight to Jenny's and I'm like, and then, and she, and whatever. And Jenny's like, there, there, put your head in my lap. We'll watch Walkie Horror Picture Show and I'll pet your head. And that's how we, like, that's when I trusted Jenny was when I broke up with a narcissist and like went to her house and watched Rocky Horror. So. So you can, the point being that you do, have, you do have this incredible power to make decisions to not stay in the pattern, mm-hmm. to really recognize that whatever anger, anxiety, frustration, whatever negative emotion that we're feeling is not grounded actually in the present moment. The present moment is super neutral, Yep. right? It's grounded in some story somewhere. And it was so interesting because right now I'm like reliving. I can actually see the bathroom that I was standing in in the mirror that I was looking in when I was having this conversation with myself about the fact that this was not that. Mm. And then even realizing later on in examining that story that the mean girls did not just decide to turn on me and lock me with green jello in my hair in the closet, which was what I had believed all along, but there was a truth or dare game. And I actually was playing the game with them. So they had no necessarily had no malintent. It was just, that was a funny dare. Yeah. But it's interesting how we, you know, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating psychological stuff. We are. Yeah. So now hopefully whoever's listening to this has gotten a message that they're supposed to get about their fears and how they're (laughs) going to overcome them. Because I know I'm sitting here going already deep and being who I am going, okay, so my fear around writing my book is my fear is judgment, right? And I'm already putting myself in, in the fact that, I already know the first line of, my, of the book that I'm going to write on my own. And that's the line that I know I'm going to get the most judgment about, right? Because it's the first line and it is the most polarizing. People are going to love it or hate it, whatever. And so now I'm already not taking us in on it now. Yeah, no, but I'm taking, what? you know, I'm already taking myself out of the present moment of just write the freaking book. Write the fucking book, girl. Be- yeah. Because, you know, because I want to read it, putting myself. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm putting myself in the future of people are already judging me. Well, shit, I just did it to myself. Right. (laughs) They're not judging you. They're not judging me yet. I haven't read the book yet. Test the bias, Jenny. Test the bias. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So. So, so Virginia, how do you like my next book? Is Is it in the chat? (laughs) Oh, how do I like your next next book? book? I haven't written it yet. It's fucking brilliant, Michelle. It's Thank, you. Fucking Thank you. Brilliant. It's so good. It is so, so good. good. You know what I love about your future book? Yes. I love that it's witty and smart. That's what I really Aww. like. It's witty and smart. 
And I also think it's a real game changer. Mm-hmm. Nice. Sure. Thanks. I, I like don't that. know anything about, but yes, I do <laughs> think that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There we well, go. Yeah. And I'm already writing my 365 things, even if it does take a trip to, you know, South Africa to, to hypnotize a great white shark. I still think it's worthy. And I'm going to do a bunch of, you know, other ones and everything from, you know, the mundane and, and daily stuff that I might be avoiding because I don't want to up to the good stuff. Yeah. What makes you avoid things? Mostly I'm struggling with this whole issue of I'm not good enough thing. And I'm not sure if it'll ever be overcome, but my way of dealing with it is to find things that I don't have a freaking clue how to do them and go and do them and fall flat on my face and learn to have fun with it. Uh-huh. Because that's, I mean, I would like to say that I've always done inane things, but I do inane things now to prove to other people that they don't have to be good at things, that they don't have to concern themselves with what other people think. And to your point, I judge myself first. And it's like, okay, how can I be as polarizing as possible to get rid of all the people that I don't like? <laughs> Just go, hey, you do that really well the people the that I love and like. You do work. that really well. And yet I persist. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Right? But you guys, and we were talking about this the other day, and uh, oh, about naming things. And Tom Poland from Leadsology calls your thing your black jelly bean because it's polarizing. People either love it or they hate it. Oh. And that's awesome. Because so you want your black jelly bean, you want to know what it is, because that will hone in your audience on who you love to be around and get rid of all the people that you're just not their jelly bean, and that's okay. I'm so glad. <laughs> Oh, God, I can't even say it with straight face. <laughs> oh, God, I've cracked myself up. Oh, I'm so... <laughs> you know where I'm going with it, too, I bet. I think I do. <laughs> I'm so glad that my bean is BDS. <laughs> oh, Once again, I'm so glad we don't edit this because we know everybody's laughing too hard or they are so shocked. (laughs) Well, I think everybody's just confused. Uh, No. My audience is too many podcasts today. (laughs) We're getting giddy and laughing. Because, yeah, I was totally taking the black jelly bean to the. (laughs) Once you go to black jelly beans, you never go back. (laughs) I, you know. Oh, Lord. Lady, like, meatloaf, meatloaf. Oh, meatloaf. Uh, so let's get back to you, uh, Virginia, because this is all about you. What's next on your all list of 365 me. fears? 365 fears. Yeah. It's not black jelly beans. We know that. that. No, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I do know that. I just think it all boils down to like, you know, it comes down to that not too, not enough thing, right? Like just knowing I'm on a pretty fast business wise, I'm on a, I'm on a pretty fast track train and there's a lot that I don't know how to do. So I think there's that, but I'll tell you what, probably writing that chapter for wickedly smart women, because I'm like, I can write, but I'm like, I don't know what to write. I don't know what the right story is. I don't know what the right question. Like, I don't know what is everybody else writing about? Will my story fit in with their stories? You know, like, but that's Linda's job, right? Like my job is to write a story. Her job is to make it all fit together. So 
but yeah, so I think that's probably that's like on the list of you um, could write 200 chapters. Let her pick one. Let her pick one. That's it. I'll, and then I could publish the other part as a book. Right. I could, just, I could write the book or six it, books with 200 chapters. There you go. Yeah, there we go. 200 oh, chapters. That's so yeah. good. The 200 bowls. There we go. Ah, so good. All right. Yeah. So anyway. 200 chapters. Should we answer our own kinky questions. Ooh, Have we sure. answered our kinky questions? We should answer our own kinky questions. Okay. Well, you're up first, madam. When it okay. comes to marketing, do you prefer domination or sedu- seduction? Seduction. Awesome. When it comes to networking, are you an exhibitionist or a voyeur? You won't believe me when I tell you, but I'm a voyeur. What? Mm-hmm. You're a networking voyeur. I am. Yes. Yeah. I, I think we got to call her on that one later. <laughs> no, I've seen her. No. That's You've why seen her watching you? <laughs> no, I've seen, I've seen her in networking, <laughs> in actual networking events. I've seen her. She does kind of stand back a little bit to see what's going on. She reads the room. She checks it out. And then she goes and hones in on who she needs to talk to. Yeah, I don't like yeah. because, you know, I'll, and here it is, because I have a fear. I feel like networking is a lot like a sixth grade dance. And you're just going to get shot down over and over again. So I'd rather stand on the sidelines and hope a boy asks me than go out there and start asking people and getting ignored and rejected. I don't like that. I also am not a big fan of like stupid conversation. I don't like to get drawn into meaningless drivel and I hate being sold at. So it's one of the reasons that I do two things. One of the reasons that I always have a booth when I go to JVology is because I can hide behind the booth. So if it gets too overwhelming or if it gets too, I can still be in the room. I can be at my booth and people tend to kind of leave you alone during stuff. If you're at your booth, cause they don't want to go to the booth. Like they don't want to go to the booth cause they don't want you to try to sell to them sell at them. the booth. So like the booth is like the place where I retreat to. And yeah, so I'm absolutely a voyeur or I have a wingman with me and I sit on a chair and then have people go find interesting people and bring them over and be like, you should meet Virginia. And then I talk to that person. I don't like approaching people. Huh? Very interesting. Yeah. When it comes to leadership, are you a lady dom or a power sub? I'm a fucking lady dom. There's no doubt about it. I like it like I like it. I want it when I want it. And I'm, you know, I am really, I'm not a discipliny dom. I'm a rewarding dom, but yeah, I'm definitely mm-hmm. a dom. Right. When it comes to your team, are you married or do you prefer mistresses? Right now? I have mistresses, but my goal is married. My goal is, is to really have a, you know, have a team of be able to employ people full time and give them a good living and a great experience. Nice. Well, you're doing that too. You're just doing it fractionally. <laughs> fractionally. Yeah. I mean, it is my goal either way. It is my goal to make sure that people, and that goes back to the lady Dom thing, right? Because a really great Dom gives a submissive this experience that they want mm-hmm. and actually an experience that they might be afraid to have but to keep them safe while they're, ha- while they're pushing their boundaries. And I feel like that's really important for a team too. But it's easier to do that in a married context than in a fractional context, I think. I don't know. I can't say that because I haven't done the full-time employee thing. So, Very cool. Entrepreneurship, monogamy or polyamory? Serial monogamy. <laughs> Fair. It is because otherwise I get too scattered, right? Like I've got, and I got this project and that project and this project, like I've got two going on at the same time. And I'm actually sort of st- trying to step back from one and really focus in on the other. So I really want to focus on one partner at a time. Nice. Your partner will love you for it. 
<laughs> Miss Jenny Bellinger, yeah. when it comes to your marketing, do you prefer domination or seduction? Seduction. Nice. When it comes to networking, you prefer exhibitionist or boyer? Exhibitionist. When it comes to leadership, are you a lady dom or a power sub? Mm, this one's hard because no, my Zoom did not freeze. I'm one would think I would have figured this out by now. For We've leadership, never asked ourselves these for, things. Well, for leadership, I would say I'm probably in the lady dom because I do ask the people that I'm working with what they want. You know, what do you want out of life? What do you want? And then how can I help you create that? So we're going to go with Lady Dom. There we go. There you go. When it comes to team, do you prefer to be married or mistress? Mistress. Right now it's mistresses. (laughs) Nice. And entrepreneurship, do you prefer monogamy or polyamory? I prefer monogamy. Right now I'm in a place where I've got a few different things going on, where I'm working in a few different businesses that are and are not necessarily my own. But my goal is to get to monogamy and then maybe eventually polyamory, but as a business owner, like, you know what I mean? Like buy businesses and then have other people run them and just, you know, because multimillionaires and billionaires, they, they have Sir Richard Branson. I mean, how many virgins does he have? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> He doesn't have one. He's got lots of virgins. So he's got all the things. So, you know, I'm picking up line he did. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's, that's my eventual goal. So, yeah. Love, love. Awesome. So when it comes to our marketing, how do I do? I'm going to say domination because versus seduction, because we get most of our clientele from referrals. And it's really me networking and, and working it and going, hey, do you know anybody who? So I'm out there. We're going to call that domination. When it comes to networking, am I an exhibitionist or a voyeur? Networking, I'm definitely an exhibitionist. I learned very early on. I think I was about 12 years old when my sister said, hey, if you want to get into a bar, just walk in like you own the place. And that's been my theory ever since. So yes, I was going to the bar when I was 12 and, and getting drinks. A funny story on that one. So I go to the airport with my mom and dad to pick up same sister from her trip to Montreal when she was about 18. A waitress comes by and says, would you like drinks? My mom and dad ordered drinks. She looks at me and said, would you like a drink? And I said, yeah, I'd like a a tequila sunrise. It was the 80s. And uh, dad goes, you can't give her a drink. And she goes, why not? Because she's not old enough. And the girl looks at me and I'm like, it's my dad. And she goes, oh, okay. Goes back, gets a drink. (laughs) He told you. <laughs> I said, my dad. <laughs> that was hilarious. So yeah, when I go to networking events, now I go in like I own the place and it's my job to make everybody feel welcome in my space. Even if I've never been in this building, I've never been in this city, I've never been anywhere. And it's like, hey, how long have you been coming to these things? Is this your first time? And more often than not, the quiet ones go, no, it's my first time. And you, oh yeah, it's my first time. So what do you know? <laughs> I'm like, that was awesome. <laughs> So yeah, I like to make, and especially all the wallflowers that are trying to avoid other people, I will kind of hunt out and go, Hey, who are you trying to meet? What do you want to do? Okay. Let's go over here. Hey, I'd love you to meet this. And I don't know these people from Adam, but I'll just go and throw them together and, you know, create magic. It's fun. Yeah. That's, that's my fun. And if I, 
most of the time I don't meet anybody I want to know anyway. Well, not that I don't want to know, but I mean, I don't meet anybody that's like a potential client or a potential JV. Most of the time it's, they just become good friends and, and I love yeah. hanging around with them. So I'm good with that. Leadership, lady dom or power sub. I go, I want this, go do it. So I guess that makes me power sub. <laughs> if you have questions, let me know. My team, married mistress, we have both. So I am, I guess, cheating on my spouses. <laughs> but I, I love to have a lot of people in-house. Entrepreneurship, monogamy or polyamory. And again, I'm going to say, what do you call it when you take a polyamorous relationship and bring them all into one house? Because I'll start at Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Not anymore. It's illegal there too. Polycule. See, no, no, there's a difference between polyamory and being married to somebody, is there not? Yeah. You're just a bigamist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Polygamy is multi-mary. Polyamory is all the loves. All the loves. So yes, we like to bring our polyamory in-house. So I do things like silly things like podcasts. And then I go, hey, how do we turn this into marketing for the business instead of thinking that it's a separate entity? It's how do we create a bigger picture out of that little fun project that I decided to come up with? Yeah. So you're creating a polycule. You're bringing people in who are all living (laughs) under the same house because, you know, hey, monogamy in this economy? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know we're going to end up back back to the family car pretty soon. Anyway, moving right along. (laughs) So there we go. So in case we haven't answered those questions before, now we have. Now we have. And our time is almost up. So hey, hey. bring it home, Miss Virginia. Oh, it's Jenny. Yeah, no, I I bring, she starts us off. I finish it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Jenny rolls. That's how I roll. She finishes up. Yep, every time. So, you know, we want to thank all of you for being here. And thanks, Michelle and Virginia, for being open and sharing your fears. Because it's it can sometimes be hard to be open and transparent and honest with what's going on in your head with your fears, because that's kind of vulnerable. So thanks for doing that. We really appreciate that because that will hopefully give our listeners permission to do the same for themselves and maybe reach out to one of us and say, hey, I have the same fear or, hey, I have the same goal with a fear behind it. How are you getting past it? Start a conversation. And if you don't know how to get a hold of us, of course, you can check the show notes or you can go to badgirlsonbusiness.com. Reach out to either your mistress in business, the direct sales dom or the referral diva to have a conversation. And check out the gifts that we have for you there as well. And we have a fun little Easter egg somewhere on that website. I'm not going to tell you where it is. It's an Easter egg. Go hunt it. Go find it, y'all. That's what it's all about. So we really appreciate you being here. And make sure you stay tuned because there is another badass episode on its way. Thank you for listening to the Bad Girls on Business podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode and for additional contact information about the guest or our hostesses. If this show got you going, we'd love to hear about it when you subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of the direct sales dom, the referral diva, or your mistress in business? The Bad Girls have hidden their gift for you at badgirlsonbusiness.com. When you find the Easter egg, use the password BGOB to unlock your treasure chest of goodies.